0: Chapter 43, verses 1 to 7. But now, this is what the Lord says He who created you, Jacob, He who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush, and Seba for your stead. Since you are precious and honoured in my sight and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will save the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, who I formed and made. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A
1: reading from Luke chapter 3, verses 15 to 22, found on page 1029 in our Church Bibles. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. To you. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come and the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire, And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison." When all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
2: Praise
1: Praise
2: to you, you, O Christ. Christ. Please do have a seat. Father, we pray that we will learn more about you today that we will know how loved and cherished we are and Father we pray that the Holy Spirit will be very present. Amen. I read this passage in Isaiah and just thought it was the most beautiful passage. I want to do something a little different today Don't worry, it's not that freaky, but what I want you to do is to just relax, close your eyes, forget about the washing, the ironing, the cleaning you've got to do this afternoon, the phone calls you've got to make, all the stuff that comes in your head, and just listen to me, Anne read that passage beautifully, but just close your eyes and concentrate on what the Holy Spirit is saying to you through these words. They are incredible. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob. He who formed you, Israel. Do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honoured in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made—aren't those some of the most beautiful words you've ever heard? I particularly love verse four. You are precious. Seems to me that's an echo of the words we heard God say to Jesus in Luke 3:22. He, he described my beloved, whom I love. You've heard me say before, I'm sure, that interpretation of Old Testament prophecies is threefold. So there's something for the people at the time, for God's chosen people. There's something for um, looking forward to messianic times, to looking forward to when Jesus was here on earth, perhaps looking forward to Jesus himself and attempting to describe something of him and his ministry. And then often there's a third uh, meaning for end times, for the times when Jesus will come again, and perhaps for the times between Jesus' death and before he comes again. And this was set, this was written. Don't forget, this is the inspired word of God. This isn't just some old chap thinking he'll write some nice words. This is the inspired word of God. And it was written for the Jewish people who were then still in exile. It was towards the end of the exile. They were tired. They were oppressed. They were wondering where God was. And this was written for them. And God was reassuring them of his love and his plans and that he loved them. And then there is something for the coming of Jesus. If you look at some of those words, they describe Jesus and how he was, how he ministered. And then there's something for us. It's not unreasonable to say that this passage is for you and for me. God is pouring out his his heart in a song of love for you, for us. And if you've ever been in any doubt that you are loved and wanted by Jesus, here is your passage. I know there are times when I've done something really stupid and I just think oh Lord how could you how could you even want me in your family these are the passages to go to when you took Jesus as your savior his name was written on you for eternity and these passages are yours to claim Isaiah's wonderful message of comfort is based on the character of who God is, the powerful healer, the redeemer, the one who has called each one of us by name. And the reason that God's people can have confidence in these words, in Isaiah's words, is that in this time when the Jews were in Babylon, pagan gods were really prevalent and some of God's chosen people chose to worship other gods. And actually God is saying in this passage, they will be defeated. They will not stand. And this knowledge that actually those gods that frightened them, these gods that maybe concern us, maybe the rise of ISIS, which is quite fearful if you, if you think about it, the oppression of, of Christians, the murder of Christians, simply for who they are. It, this knowledge that God has defeated these idols allows us to pass through fire and water knowing God's love. We have nothing ultimately to fear from the loud and threatening hordes that rage against God's gospel. All the opposition to God will fall and knowing it will be defeated gives us hope whatever our circumstances are, something of what Adam was saying, hope. The Bible is realistic about pain and suffering. It doesn't mince its words, but it's also very realistic about the hope we have and the difference that faith makes. This passage looks forward to the time when Christ is king and when all God's people will be gathered home, the second coming of Jesus. And all this should encourage us for what's to come in the Luke passage, which can be quite a challenge. I was struck particularly by the, the, the verse near the end, verse 21. Jesus was praying As the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. So what? You may ask. He was praying. He was, after all, is, after all, the Son of God. Of course, he was praying. But just think about it for a moment. There are several places in the Bible where we are told specifically that Jesus is praying. And each one is the beginning of God breaking through and doing something truly amazing. Now, I'm sure Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer. But I just want to mention three of them from Luke's gospel. Just before the transfiguration, Luke 9, 28, about eight days after Jesus said this, He took Peter, John, and James with him and went up to the mountain to pray. Just before, he chose the 12 apostles, Luke 6. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, who he also designated apostles. And of course, most dramatically, in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he was arrested. Luke 22. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. And to go on to verse 44. And being in anguish, He prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Have you ever prayed that much so that sweat pours from you? I haven't. So the first thing I want to point out about this passage is the relationship Jesus' prayers remind us of his connection to God. And it also helps us to understand that Jesus never perceived himself as being alone. He was never alone. God was constantly with him, as was the Holy Spirit. Their relationship is strong and close and powerful And that's why Jesus knew he could pray and ask God for help. The words of God come to Jesus as an affirmation. Not of what he has done or what he will do, but simply as who he is. Simply the beloved. This is my son, my beloved son. As anyone who has ever loved will know, love is not conditional. You simply love people because of who they are. And this is what we see here. It's the nature of God's love for us. And like Jesus, we can respond in prayer. The other thing is the power. And perhaps you can read all sorts of Commentaries on this account about the dove. Perhaps you needed to be watching carefully to see the supernatural moment when the heavens opened and the dove came down, or the Holy Spirit came down to Jesus. Matthew and Luke both mention this dove, and I don't think it's incidental. It occurs to me that on each of these occasions of Jesus' prayer... God's power really breaks through. The world is about to change. Here, Jesus' ministry is about to begin. So what about us? Do we pray with the expectation that God's power will really break through? That the world can and will change because of our prayers? Do we really think God intervenes in our world... Or do we pray because it's what people do sometimes, or it's what's expected? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Why do you pray? Here, we see Jesus waiting on God, perhaps listening for the Father's guidance, working with his Father in a close relationship. I wonder, how often do we ask for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to direct our thoughts and prayers. How often do we simply get lost in worship of God, our creator, our father, our lover? Prayer is where transformation begins, of us and of the world. If we want to see the Holy Spirit breaking through in our parish, in Southcote, in Beansheath, in Ford's Farm... If we want to see healing and restoration in people's lives and hearts, it has to begin in prayer, expectant prayer, prayer that knows that God is on the move and will answer us. At the first creation, way back in Genesis, the spirit is the intelligent, image-forming love of God at work. In the new creation in Christ, the Spirit makes the image even clearer. The Spirit is there, in lest we forget. There are so many distractions that we do forget. We forget who God is, we forget that we are His beloved. We forget that we were created in love. So now, hear it again. God is speaking his word, loud and clear, in flesh, living in you. This is the community that you belong to, the language you were born to understand, the language of God's love for the world, now shown to you again in the sun. God says, you are mine, I love you, you give me pleasure. And God speaks into the world, making it and remaking it. We are made to hear God's word, spoken to us through creation and redemption. The word of love that draws us into the world God has made, the real world of light and image. God's word instantly gives us a language, a home, a community. And yet, it is familiar to us as the long-forgotten voice of our mother speaking to us. This is the reality of light and love and power. This is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You could say... All of that is lovely, flowery language, but what does it mean? So what? What does prayer really do? What does it signify about our relationship to God, to the Holy Spirit, to Jesus? I wonder, what are those moments when prayer is that important to us, us, that we prioritize it above all else? Do we expect to see the Holy Spirit breaking through in our lives and in the lives for whom we pray? Look again at the passage, Luke 3.15. The people were waiting expectantly. They, they thought God was going to act. I'll be honest, sometimes there are people I have been praying for for 30-odd years and they haven't come to faith. And I will tell you now that sometimes I think, oh, yes, I'll pray for her again. And I don't believe God's going to do it. Do you know, it's, But we must pray knowing God is going to answer. Pray with that expectancy. The words of God come to Jesus as an affirmation in that passage. Not of what he, what he has done or what he will do but as he who is the beloved. Do we believe ourselves to be beloved of God, climbing on his knees to tell him what's going on, to ask for his intervention in our lives and the world? Jesus begins his ministry in prayer, identifying with the people he has come to serve and save. Do we start our own days, our own ministry with prayer? I've heard a lot of people say, and I've said it myself, I don't have time, I've got so much to do. But I was at a conference some some years ago, and there was this pastor from um, the East, and I, I'm sorry, I can't remember where he was from. But he had started the most amazing church growth and his church was planting churches everywhere. He was responsible personally for the most amazing um, prayers and movement of God. And yet, and, and he had every excuse to say, actually I get up in the morning and there's 3 million emails and 400 phone calls and there's so much pressure on, on my time. I don't have time to pray. And the interviewer said, how often do you pray? And he said, well, when I'm really pushed, it's only about three hours a day. (laughs) I kind of thought, whoa. And it really brought me short. His ministry was not his ministry. It was the ministry of the Holy Spirit, empowered by prayer. Now, that's not to say it won't be a struggle. It's not to say sometimes you won't pray for many, many years and not feel that God's heard you or is answering you. It's not to say that every day you'll feel an amazing rush like that fan of the Holy Spirit. And often we won't understand, but still we begin with prayer. Jesus was equipped by prayer. Had we thought that the Holy Spirit might be waiting for us to ask, to be equipped? Are we actively seeking the gifts of the Holy Spirit? If not, why not? They're there. Paul asks us, Paul tells us, pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Pray for these gifts. If it was good enough for Jesus, surely it's good enough for us. If you want further help with prayer, if you're sitting there thinking, this is all very well, Carol, but you've been a Christian quite a few years, and prayer's probably, you know, secondary to you. You get paid to pray after all. Um, Let me tell you, I've got some helps here. Scripture is always a really, really good place to start. Sometimes read a passage of Scripture, One verse might leap out at you. Just spend some time with God, just saying that prayer, that passage, that small verse over and over again. That's a really good place to start. The Psalms are ancient prayers of worship. There's pain in there, there's crying out to God, there's the whole of life, there's bereavement there, there's love, there's life. And praying with them can be helpful. There are lots of books to help with daily prayer. Anything, not anything, by Joanna Collicutt. Some of her stuff's quite difficult. But Joanna Collicutt, I don't know if you remember, she came and spoke here 18 months ago when Pads was on holiday. She's written a book called When You Pray. And it's a look at the Lord's Prayer. And it's day by day. And it's absolutely fabulous. It's written in language that even I can understand when I'm really tired at the end of the day. Stephen Cottrell is another author. He's written some amazing stuff on prayer. I think he's even written one, How to Pray. And again, he has a real gift of writing in easy to understand, easy to to read language. And he's very practical as is Joanna Collicott. I've got some books here Reflections on the Psalms. I love this. It gives you a psalm to read. There's, there's 100, I think 100, 147, 9, 150. 150 psalms in here. And it gives you a psalm a day, and then it picks out one verse, and it gives you a little commentary. And then a prayer at the end. It's a really good thing. You could fit it in a handbag or a briefcase. You could put it, read it on the train into work. Stephen Cherry is another fantastic author. Barefoot Prayers. This one is a Lent book. Lent's coming up really very fast. Um, but you don't have to wait until Lent. His prayers are really relevant if you're not sure how to pray, his words are just amazing. And this one, I actually bought this for Mark for Christmas. I was, thought it was so brilliant. 365 readings for radical disciples. Now, Simon Gillibad is a missionary. He's an amazing, amazing guy. But at the end, he gives you little reflections to, to pray on to start I would really recommend a prayer diary. Nobody else has to see it, but you can write down. Something comes to you while you're praying, you can write it down. You write down people you want to pray for. You can pr- write down answers to prayer. You can, mine, mine's full of drawings and etchings and stuff, cuttings. If I've read something and it's really, really spoken to me I've cut it out of the newspaper or something stuck it in so it's however you do it best but prayer diaries are really helpful praying with others is always encouraging I would encouraging encourage you to find a friend and say can we meet once a week once a fortnight once a month and pray together and make that a priority some people, there's, uh, certainly in the 80s, there was a big thing about prayer triplets. And that works because if one of you can't make it, the other two can. But prioritise it, whether it's two or three. A small group so you can actually make the meetings and prioritise it. If you are still thinking, I, I just don't get this prayer stuff. Come and talk to me or the prayer ministry team. After the service, we would love to talk more with you. There are some free stuff on the in the foyer the Voice of Hope. I think oh, this is produced by Premier, but there 's also other companies that do free resources that will help you pray. The important thing is not how you do it or even when you do it. The important thing is get started. God is not waiting for a perfectly constructed sonnet. You don't have to work up a sweat and pray for hours. Start simply, just as you are, chatting away as you would to your best friend. Some of my most heartfelt prayers have been in the form of tears. Or simply, help, I don't know what to do now. And if you're not sure that you are beloved by God, if you don't know Jesus or the Holy Spirit, again, please come and talk to me or talk to the prayer ministry team or any of the leadership team after the service. We will be only too happy to talk and pray with you. These scriptures we've looked at today assure us that we are safe in God's presence. He longs to hear from us. We belong to him. The Holy Spirit is not impersonal. It comes from the one who formed us and calls us by name. Call back to her this week, today, and expect to hear an answer. Amen. So knowing that we are loved children of God and that we have nothing to fear, we're going to stand and sing, even though I walk through the
0: valley.